0: The, this morning, I want to do something a little bit different. And there's been some things going on in my life and family, uh, in the life of my sons. And uh, I've known about this and thought about it for years. Uh, but I wanted to talk to you about how to encourage young men towards the Lord. And you say, well, uh, that's kind of weird, Pastor, that you'd take just a specific group of people and not the whole church. And I want to tell you that. These things that I'm going to share with you this morning are common. Uh, young women need these as well. Uh, older women, o- older men. But I, I really want to focus in on your connection with younger men this morning. Um, I know that sounds odd, but I, I think it's important. I, I feel like uh, as I as I look at young men as a culture and not really realizing that the culture's doing their own thing. But then I look at young men in our church and in the family of God, I realize that the enemy in a, a specific way targets young men. And what he wants to see happen, the enemy wants to see happen in young men, is that they would be ruined for the rest of their life. They'd be ruined by the sins they commit by the thoughts that they place, by the actions they take, that they would be ruined for the rest of their life, that they would carry baggage and burdens and scars and regrets and the guilt uh, of the, the days of their youth. As we, uh, as a church, we want to uh, always be uh, pushing down and, and really looking at that next generation And giving them all the opportunity and all the help that uh, we can. Uh, And specifically as we talk about young men. I was thinking about this and most likely I will do a corresponding message on Mother's Day. On Mother's Day uh, for young women. Because I think uh, if we don't think about this, we will become selfish as older folks. And we will say, uh, I'm not young anymore. I'll just worry about myself. Uh, I I was reminded, uh, so I went to man camp and we we had a a time of prayer for the younger men and it, it went like this. It was Keith Schlecht. He was the last, he was the oldest younger man. I told him he was the line and everyone down from him was a younger man and everyone up from him was an older man. Um, to just see them and to, to remember and, and to have a visual of that. And I, as I'm talking right now, I want you to think about the young men in your life. You may be a young lady, but there are young men in your life that you can have an impact on. You can uh, help encourage along the road and, and not just help them succeed, but help point them to the Lord point them to the Lord, that your encouragement, that the things that you say and do, no big deal, Uh, happens all the time, Uh, uh, your goal is is that they would be more encouraged to walk with the Lord because of your relationship, your words, your actions to them. And I realize that some of you here are married to young men, Uh, that some of you, your young man is over at man camp right now, and you had to change all the diapers this weekend by yourself. Could have had triplets, you know, uh, that would have been a rough weekend. But uh, you, 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 you realize that, that, that you live with the young man. Other, others of you are mothers uh, of young men. Others of you are grandmothers, and, and your heart is for your, your young man. And so this morning I wanted to give you as a pastor some ways you can encourage the young men in your life. Some of you are older men. And when I say the burdens and scars of youth, you're going, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I want to tell you that you can help. You can help through uh, even the the burdens and scars that you have. You can help the young men in your life uh, by talking to them about these things to encourage them. I'm reminded of a time I I got to go down to San Diego and some of you have been down to San Diego for this very purpose you participated I got to uh, witness the graduation from boot camp uh, of a marine a young man thank you Uh, and uh it was, it was a, a moving ceremony. It was an amazing thing. They're out there on the parade area, and they're they're doing, they're, they're marching, and it's just a powerful thing. And then it's this thing where I was with the family of this young man, and when it's all over, when it's all over, they finally get to go and be with their family. And it's kind of the first glimpse they have of real life since going into boot camp. And they have learned... To uh, honor, respect, and jump uh, when their superiors say to. And w- one of the things that they said, uh, you know, all the Marines are supposed to be off the parade route. They're supposed to be off that. And uh, this young man that we knew uh, was kind of walking, and he was he was just on the edge of it. And all of a sudden, what, one of the his superiors uh, yelled at him something, and he, he he looks over and he you know gives the Yes, yes, my Lord, or whatever they say. Uh, um, And and, and he acknowledges that. He acknowledges that he he gets where he needs to be. And then I watched him as he goes, I hate that guy. (laughs) I thought about that. I thought about that. I realized that uh, in war, uh, the training of a military in war, you're really only concerned about one thing. They do what they're supposed to do they all stay together, that they're they're obeying, that they're uh, understanding what it is, when they need to be where, and what they need to do. But I want to tell you, that's a horrible way for in the family of God that we would motivate people, specifically men. Uh, For older men, I want to tell you that uh, our life should be one that younger men are drawn to that they look to us and they say, I love being around so-and-so because they encourage me. This is true of their moms too. I I love being with my mom because she encourages me. I love being with my sister. I love being with my spouse, my wife, because she encourages me to walk with God. And what I want to talk about today is kind of the motivation, the encouragement that we are to do with our young men. I'm reminded that in Hebrews chapter 10, it says this about encouragement. And, and I, I love this passage. You've heard me say this time and time again. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. It says, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, Works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And as I think about this this morning, I want you to think about your words, your actions, your actions the way you treat young men, and ask the question, isn't it an encouragement for them to walk with the Lord? And if you're already doing that, praise God, but it should be increasing, increasing as the days go on. I want to give you this morning eight ways or eight areas that you can encourage a young man toward God. The first one is that we should make the goal Self-control, not success, not success. In Titus chapter 2, verse 6, Titus chapter 2 is an interesting passage. You can look at it later, but uh, it goes through four categories of people. It starts with older men, and then it uh, goes to the women, and really it just speaks of really older women, how they are to encourage younger women about some specific things, And then it says one thing about young men, just one. Some have said, well, it's kind of conclusion, all those other things. And this one too, specifically, I I think it's just one thing it says to young men. It's in verse six, Titus chapter two, verse six. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Some of you are going, I don't get it. Why should young men be self-controlled? Why was that the one issue? I'm joking. I'm joking. It's obvious, isn't it? Those of you who have been young men. You've been around young men. They're reckless. They're reckless. And maybe it's this idea that there could have been a list of a hundred things that men need to, young men need to work on. But uh, God knew men can't. Uh, they're not good multitasks. Or ta- I can't even say the word. Uh, they have that single. Single track, and I just want to give them one thing: self-controlled, self-controlled. I, when I think about that, I, I think, what's the difference between what? What's the opposite of self-control? It's the idea of of reckless abandonment. It's the idea of just doing whatever. And sometimes, as as men specifically, but all all all, all people do this. They go. Uh, I don't really care how to get there. It just matters what the goal is. I just need to succeed. The scoreboard is the only thing that matters, just so I accomplish the task. It doesn't matter how we got there. And yet, as you look at the scripture, he points to young men and he says, "Encourage them. help them." Self-control, Self-control. I, I want to talk about this just It's not just success. It's not just success. If your goal is success, what will happen when it comes to school? You'll cheat. You'll you'll, uh, binge on school. You'll make school your idol. If success uh, monetarily is is the goal, you'll say, hey son, hey husband, hey brother, hey grandson, you're great. Because you have a lot of money we yeah, have got a lot of money. doesn't matter how you got there. Sometimes as, as people, we, we gather around young men and we go, oh, success is the thing that they need most, so I'm going to make sure they succeed. Moms, they try to get out in front and they try to set up life and uh, make all the phone calls and talk to the coach, you need to play my son, and set up life in such a way where everything's done for my son so he su- can succeed. I want to tell you, if success is the goal, success is the goal, you'll act that way. But the goal is not success, it's self-control. And the idea for us with young men is not that we are um, restraining them through the laws of life, but that we're encouraging them and talking to them and and really giving them opportunity to set up self control in their own life this idea that they are in charge of their person that they are the ones that are going to bed at a certain time they are the ones that are doing their homework they are the ones that are picking up their room they are the ones that are participating and and doing they are the ones that are controlling their tongue and you say that seems impossible impossible that seems. Does that seem impossible? Yeah, some of you aren't willing to put your hand up. I'm not going to call on you or anything like that. It's not math class or something like that. What do you got for number five? Oh. <sighs> uh, um, it seems impossible, but this is the this is the thing. Is that this self control? It comes from God. It's part of the work of the Spirit of God, and. That's the relationship where I'm getting ahead of myself. That's the relationship you want for your young man to have. It's not that his mama's checking up on him. It's not that he married someone that now will be his mama. It's not that he has an older sister that will nag at him all the time and be his eighth mom or whatever it is. It's, it's that, that he would grow to be this man who's self-controlled and that he would see that as his responsibility. And how we do that, how we do that is to encourage him. Hey, why don't you take care of that? That's yours. Hey, uh, you, you know, this, this is for you to do. I'm not going to do this for you. And so that he could grow to be a man of self-control. You know what? That desperation, that, that inability to do that, that will drive a man back to the Lord. He'll realize, he'll look at his resources and go, I, I don't got it. I can't do it. he a great. You have a God who loves you, gives you His Spirit that you might be able to have self-control when the rest of the world does not. Self-control. Make uh, the goal self-control and not success. Secondly, invest your life in theirs. Invest your life in theirs. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. Th- this idea of investing your life in theirs. Y- you know what the danger is for us? Uh, when we look at young men, we think they'll grow out of it. Uh, you just give them enough time, they'll change. Uh, that doesn't work. Have you met an immature 70-year-old? You know, uh, you, you know you, you, that idea of growing up, you know, uh, over time you get older. But it doesn't mean that you're not immature anymore, Right. Uh, and, and this picture here is that uh, Paul, Paul writes this amazing passage where he's talking about this church at Thessalonica. And he was talking about his own uh, method of ministry to them. And it went like this. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 2.8, he says, So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become dear to us. I want to tell you uh, grandmas, moms, sisters, wives, uh, uh, fathers, grandfathers, um, they don't, young men need people in their lives, not just in a sense of barking out orders from the sideline. But, but their heart and your heart connected. And not the idea of your heart's meeting in the middle, but your heart going after theirs. Do you get that picture? Uh, I'm amazed at the self-centeredness of young men. Aren't you? Uh, I'm amazed at how self-centered they could be. And I'm glad I can't remember what I was like when I was a young man. I, we have people that might be able to recount some of those stories to you. and they, they, you know, It's tough, but, but it's a self-centeredness. And so sometimes we're looking for this back and forth. I, it, you know, if my son loves me, if my, uh, if my son meets me halfway, don't worry about meeting halfway. Invest in them. Paul says, I give you the gospel. The greatest thing I could ever give to you but we loved you so much that we didn't just give you the gospel, but we gave you ourself, our person, our own lives as well. Gave you my life. Uh, do you know what the problem with giving your life for someone is? You won't have it left for yourself. I want to tell you, uh, this life is not about you. It's about you giving your life to the Lord and Him using it in the lives of others. And so, as we look at the young men in our lives, we should ask the question, I I might give them presents, I might give them a bit of time here and there, but have I given them my heart? Have I given my heart for them? So invest your lives in in theirs. Thirdly, uh, have the gospel of grace be the motivator. The gospel of grace be the motivator. I mentioned this earlier when I saw this uh, connection in the military. This yelling, but but not a a love and a. a I want to tell you that's not God's motivation method. Uh, so, Pastor Mike, you talk about this and the, the idea of shame and blame, shame and blame, and that this is going to somehow motivate people. Uh, we're going to call them stupid. We're going to say you blew it. You missed a spot. We're going to. Uh, say you ruined it and 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 kind of grab their their neck the scruff of their neck and shove their face in it and show it over and over again so they will remember to never do that again I tell you this isn't God's method for us you look in Romans chapter 2 and it's a passage on judgment and uh you know thinking through life and how we do things and there's this amazing question in chapter 2, verse 4. Paul writes to the Roman church, he says, Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience? And he says this, Not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. Repentance is the idea of a change of mind that brings about a, a change of goal and focus of life. You want your young man to change? You say, yeah, so I will yell at him all the time. I'll, I'll point it out. You, you've been so stupid. And I'll, I'll shame him and blame him until he changes. I want to tell you, that's a method. That's a method. But it's not God's method. It's not God's method. God's method, and, and I realize as I talk to you, I realize that most of our parents use this to one degree or another. And most of us as parents have used this to one degree or another. Some some of us in the last week, okay? I just wanna I, I just want to uh, set off the alarm. This isn't God's method. God's method for encouraging and, and pushing and motivating towards change is this is grace the gospel of grace the gospel of grace where god sticks out his hand in kindness with the person of his own son that would be willing to die on our behalf and he says i love you this much and that method that amazing love that he sticks out to us is the winsomeness of the gospel that draws us in and say i, I want jesus On a relationship with the Father through the Son. I need, I need the Holy Spirit to be the one that guides. And I I need something different. I want to tell you that the gospel should be readily uh, found on your lips as you speak to young men. The rest of the world will try the shame and blame thing. And they will, you know, through coaches and bosses and intimidation and this and that. But you as an encourager toward the Lord, toward the Lord, to be one that looks to your young man that you desire desire to be the Lord's, and you say, I'm with you. I give you the gospel, the gospel of grace. You failed, I extend grace to you, the kindness of the Lord, the patience of Him. This is uh, the way the Lord motivates us, and this is the way we should motivate the gospel of grace for young men. Along with that, and we could have used that last passage, but uh, we, number four, we're to patiently let them grow. Patiently let them grow. In Colossians chapter three, and amongst other things, this same idea that we looked at in Romans chapter two, but it's a different way of living. It's a believer's way of living. And in Colossians chapter three, verse 12, it says, put on then, As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. And then in verse 13, it says, bearing with one another. And if one of you has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Uh, These regrets that young men have, all men have them. Some have more than others based upon regret. Where the Lord has been in their life Their whole life um, and, and as we men have these failings And they will Young men will fail you Over and over again And, and I want to tell you Wives I want to tell you sisters and moms I want to tell you dads And grandfathers and grandmothers I, I want to tell you How you respond To the sins and failings Of your young men will determine for them their view of God. If you say, if you say, yeah, God loves you, and then when they fail, you, you're, you're ready to jump all over them. You're ready to cut them off. You're saying, I, I'm tired of you. I'm tired of you. But if you and grace come to them in patience and you say, yeah, let's learn from this. You failed. You failed. I've failed too. I've failed too. I'll extend you patience knowing that, that God can use this in your life right now, these failings that you've done, these things that you have blown it on, and you have blown it, but but the, the, the real point is not that you have blown it, but that you've shown that you have needed the Lord, needed the Lord, as I need the Lord. And so to be patient with them and extend them grace over a long period of time. It's always interesting to me, uh, especially the transition of, boy to uh, older man we, we think that it's going to happen immediately we see them to be capable in so many areas and and we're like well why can't you be like me first of all that's uh that's a mirage by the way most of the time it's one of those uh it's those mirrors at the circus it doesn't have the right proportion of life right uh, we look at it and we go, that's a funny picture. That, that's probably the best way I say it. But like, we, we see ourselves in, in our, our our moments of greatness. And then we blow that up to say, yeah, this is my whole life. That's not true, men. Not true, ladies. We stumble. We, we, we struggle in many ways, James tells us. And so, uh, for us to be patient with young men and say, yes, you failed, but... There's God's grace. We can get over this. We can forgive. We can forgive. I want to tell you what's so great about forgiveness. It's not an interaction just between me and you. It's an interaction in this passage based upon us and God. Right? I get forgiven by God. And so when you fail me, I look at you and I say, I can forgive you. Not because... I've done something against you, but because I've done something against God. We can forgive everything. We can forgive. Why? Because Jesus has forgiven us everything. We've been granted forgiveness so that we would be patient, patiently let them grow. Number five, uh, we should not compete with them, but rejoice in their success. We should not compete with them, but rejoice in their success. Uh, if you want to frustrate a young man, uh, parents, grandparents, if, you, if this is what you want to do, when they succeed, you acknowledge their success and you, you say something like this. That was really great. But you know what? When I was your age, I did something that was way better than what you have done they come home with a spelling test and they miss one and they say, they say, look, I I got, I got an A. They got an A. You say, back when I was your age, 100% all the time. I want to tell you, you didn't get 100% all the time. Your memory's bad. You purposely forgot about it. Okay? I I want to tell you, don't compete with them. Ladies, ladies, Don't do that. Anything you can do, I can do better. As a as a young man, when they hear that, they go, "Forget it, forget it." I could bury you, but I'm not supposed to, so I'll just go do something else, and I'll get out of your way, and you can think you're great. I'm honest. I'm honest. You you may not like hearing that, ladies, but I want to tell you, as a young man, I used to be one. Uh, When when when. You want to compete with your young man. He says, forget it. Forget it. And, and they walk away and you, you're real proud of yourself or an older man say, yeah, you know, that, that challenge to them that I'm so great and everything, that, that's not a challenge to them. You know what the scripture says? It, as a, we look uh, in Romans chapter 12, in the midst of uh, sacrificing and then relationship, And how we're supposed to be a part of that in our own gifts and connection in the body of Christ. You know what it says? In Romans chapter 12, verse 15, it says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. When your young man has something to share, his failings, you weep with him. You weep with him. When he's rejoicing at something that has come to his life that he finds to be good, you rejoice with him. You rejoice with him. It's this idea that we've already talked about of giving your heart to them. Most of us are so self-centered that when somebody shares something with them, we say, "Oh, oh, you think that's great. Let me tell you something about my life. Someone's happy, we say, well, I don't know what you're so happy with. My life's terrible. Someone's having a terrible day. You say, oh, I'm having a great day. I want to stay away from those people. But for your, your young men, if you want to be with them, if you, I want to tell you, don't compete with them, but rejoice with them. Rejoice in their success. Weep with those things that they weep about. Number six, transfer the, comfort, uh, the conversation to pleasing God. Transfer the conversation to, to pleasing God. There's many verses that talk about this, this idea that we live life before God. And and I want to tell you this. This is after the gospel. This is after the gospel. If you're a son or daughter, if you're a young man uh, in your life, if your husband doesn't know the Lord, I want to tell you that the the one issue is just the gospel, right? Uh, There's nothing after that. There's no bigger conversation. There's no Uh, change this, this, and this, and the gospel is one of those things. It's the gospel, right? Because there's no change apart from the gospel. Uh, uh, But but I want to tell you this. I want to tell you this. After the gospel, after we know the Lord, we now uh, move the conversation to what pleases the Lord. What pleases the Lord. This is how it goes in in, uh, Colossians chapter 1 uh, verses 9 and 10 read like this and and so from the day we heard paul's talking about this church from the day we heard we have not ceased to pray for you asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of the uh, of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so you'd know his will that you'd understand what he wants you to do and then he says this in verse 10 so as to walk in a manner worthy of the lord fully pleasing to him bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of god as you look at what you desire for your young man, I say this especially to moms. Sorry, uh, to target you moms, but I want to talk to you moms for a minute. What do you want for your son? What do you want for your son? Do you want him to obey you the rest of his life? That do you do you want him to meet your wishes and desires for the rest of your life? Do you want him to like what you like and hate what you hate and and somehow fit his world into your world so that you can be pleased with you can have, I, I want to tell you that's not good for your son. That's not good for your son. What you should desire for your son is that he would live a life pleasing to the Lord. That that it would no longer he, he wouldn't get out in the Uh, the the dark world as he goes to school and as he's with his peers and as he's out doing whatever that he wouldn't say, what would my mom think? Sometimes we build our lives that way that that we want our children to, to please mom for the rest of his life. But what we should desire is that he would think, what does God want from my life right now? What is the path? What is God's will for my life? What is the step that he wants me to take? How will I take this? God, help me with this. That we should desire for our young men that they would live a life pleasing to the Lord. And I want to tell you, um, it's not enough for young men to know what their parents want. It's not enough to have the pressure of peers. It's not. It's not that that's a a sliding scale that changes all the time depending on the proximity of mom and dad the proximity of our our peers it changes but i want to tell you this i want to tell you this god is with them wherever they are and he's with them forever and it's a relationship that your young man needs and so to transfer that conversation on not just obeying mom and dad as a child, but to transfer that conversation when they the, the, something comes up in their life to say, "What do you think God wants of your life? What, have you prayed about this? Is this something? Is there any scriptures that come to your mind of what God would have you do in this situation?" This is how you encourage your young man to God. I mean, it's empowering because young men go, "Yeah, yeah." I need to talk to God about this. This isn't about me just pleasing mom anymore. I'm pleasing dad. This is about me in relationship with the Almighty. To transfer the conversation to pleasing God. Number seven. I only got two more. I only have two more for this morning. I probably had 20, okay? But I was just, I had to trim it down to keep it in a Sunday morning. Uh, number seven. Number seven identify pride and humility in their lives identify pride and humility in their lives I want I want you to be careful with this I want you to be careful Um, you uh, you yelling at your son or your husband you're just a proud fool that probably won't be as effective as you want it to be for change probably won't be okay uh, in, in, in the book of James uh, chapter 4 verse 6 and this is in 1 Peter as well it's in the book of Proverbs as well this concept and, and, and it's really the, one of the big issues for young men um, it, it's the issue of pride and humility and it says uh, of God he says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And when I say uh, identify, if you see your young man being proud, gently, quietly, graciously come to them and say, Son, husband, I, I, I'm afraid. I'm afraid you know it sounds like you you think you have it all under control and like you don't need God and I, you know you do right it, it sounds it sounds like maybe pride's creeping up in your heart to to gently come to them and and why do you come to them because you're sick of hearing it no 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 and that's not the reason what why should you come to your husband to your young man to your grandson and and warn them and try to tip them off on their pride. Why? Because God opposes the proud. He opposes. And it's not going to work out well for your young man, your husband, when, when they're proud before God. It's not going to work out well. In the same way, on the opposite ends, when you see humility in the life of your husband, the, li- the life of your young man, your grandson, your brother, but when you see humility in their life, stop the music. Stop the music. Stop the conversation. Square up to them. Get in front of them and say, you handle that great. That's the humility that the Lord blesses. With that kind of response, you will go far. And what you're doing is you're laminating it, right? You know, why do you laminate things? Because you want to protect it and keep it forever, right? And what you're doing, you're stopping your son or your grandson or your husband and you're saying, do it again. Do it again. This is the kind of thing that's great in the eyes of God. This is the kind of thing that will protect our family. This is the kind of thing that will protect your future, son. This is the kind of uh, life that will Uh, attract the right young lady and will keep you away from the dangerous one that this is what you should do son and it's the encouragement that your son, your husband uh, your grandson needs is to realize that pride is not the way to deal with life but rather humility before God it's my last one number eight if you're taking notes please listen carefully and write as a scribe would okay don't slap a dog while he is playing chess I'll read that again don't slap a dog while he is playing chess okay and some of you have never heard that before uh I grew up in California and we never talked like that dude okay uh, but I had a friend who lived in Texas is actually Blake Boys, uh Mike's youngest son and he was a pastor there and he goes I got this great phrase for you and he says don't slap a dog while he's playing chess and I go that sounds great what does it mean um, he said well if your dog would be playing chess that would be amazing that would be amazing wouldn't it to, you, you should be shocked that they're playing chess but some of us would walk into a room and say, oh, my dog is messing with my chess set. And we'd slap the dog and say, don't ever, you know, we'd be talking to the dog like he could understand. And and we'd forget of the amazement of the dog playing chess. And, and what I want to tell you this morning about young men, young men, is that uh, sometimes, sometimes as we look at young men, we realize that... Uh, or maybe we don't realize that our words are a discouragement to young men. Uh, they're they're cleaning their room. They're cleaning their room. They you know they're cleaning their room and shoving everything to one side. It's kind of the same for a young man. Okay, uh, it, it's and, and and we come in to them doing a, a good. They're making an attempt, and we come in and we say. Why are you doing it all wrong? You do a terrible job. You do a terrible job. Uh, we look at uh, uh, young men sometimes at church, and we say, uh, you know, why are you wearing that? Why are you wearing that? Why are you wearing that? You you talk too loud. You know, why why didn't you comb your hair? Your hair is awful. Like you should really get a haircut. Did you put deodorant on this month? We look at their homework and we say, oh, it's sloppy. Oh, it's just terrible. We look at their grades. They're never good enough. They're never good enough. And I want to tell you, uh, that's for, for us to look at, at our young men and point out where they've failed, even just a little. It's this idea that as they attempt to grow up, as they attempt to take their place as a man, we're looking at it and we're saying, you did it all wrong and it's discouraging. Listen to this from Ephesians. Listen to the, the words that, that should come out of our mouth. In, in Ephesians chapter four, verse 29, it says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion that it may be grace to those who hear. When I think about that, I think, wouldn't it be great if our voices were known to our young men as grace to them? That they would be, you know, I love it. I love it when my dad talks to me because it's so encouraging. I love it when my sister, uh, she speaks to me because I know that she wants me to love God and it's encouraging to talk to my sister. When my mom shares with me things from her heart, because I know her heart is with me, when, when she speaks to me, it's like grace to me. It's empowering to point me to the Lord, to point me to the Lord. This morning, I just want to end with this last thing. Um, I've failed in this over and over and over again. Um, and, and I have three boys, three young men, and so maybe I've, if you only have one son... I probably failed at least three times more. And I think it goes on exponentially, by the way, as you add them. So maybe it's a lot more, okay? Uh, I I just want to tell you that these are hard things. And and why they're hard? Because we get lost in the pressures of our own heart. And then we just burst out. And I want to encourage you this morning. The game's not over. The game's not over. Your young men have not finished the the concrete setting you know we've got to get at it today but I, I want to tell you you have time you have time you have opportunity even today to encourage your young man towards the Lord let me pray for us God thank you for this morning I ask your blessing and those of us here um, I ask that this would somehow be a, a encouragement and a um, stir us up uh, to do what we need to do for the next generation of young men. God, I ask that you would work in all of our lives to to make us encouragers, people who point others to you and realize that that's the most important thing. Thank you for this morning. We pray for uh, this church in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. You are dismissed.